Hello, Revelation Wellness friends. We are so excited to tell you today that we are welcoming back our founder, CEO, and Lisa Keaton back to the podcast today after her 10-week sabbatical. In this episode, Elisa is going to share about her time away where she spent some deep, sweet time seeking the Lord and did some fun traveling too. We think you are going to be delighted by this episode as you hear from Elisa and she begins to unpack the life-shaping and life-giving experience she just encountered over the last 10 weeks. It's so good to have Elisa back. Grab a cup of coffee and find your best comfortable chair because this one is like sitting down with an old friend who's been on a journey and has some goodness to share. And we love to hear goodness from the Lord. Thanks for being here, friends, and thank you for being with us through this sabbatical as we heard from a variety of contributors across the Revelation Wellness Ministry. We are so thankful for everyone who has played a part in the Revelation Wellness Podcast over this season, and we are so thankful for each and every one of you. Enjoy today's episode. Peace. Okay. Wow. This is crazy. Here we are. Here we are. I'm trying to adjust my microphone. (laughs) How do I use this thing? (laughs) Okay. Well, hey friends, I'm back. I'm back. I am back and I'm pretty positive. I got 20 years younger. This could get scary. This could get scary. I have so much to share with you. And I was praying about how to step back in, how to return to the podcast. And one of the thought, the things we thought that would be fun is just to do a little recap. So as I was praying about how do you recap 10 weeks of intimacy and clarity and time focused with the Lord, how do you wrap that up? Because I have pages and pages and pages upon notes. I started a sabbatical notebook and it's It's the scribblings of a woman on fire (laughs) in the best of ways. The zeal for the zeal for his house is consuming me. So instead of coming back here and, and just doing a theology dump or a brain dump, I thought, you know what, it would be fun just to do a little travel log with you. So I'm going to review a little bit, not in detail, but high level what I did over the 10 weeks. So kind of like a travel log. Okay. So if this interests you, hang out, listen. Uh, If not, we'll get back to our regularly scheduled podcast teachings and revving the words in our next episode. And I will share with you the top three things that I learned during a sabbatical, probably in the next episode, because I want to really unpack those with you. And I also want to unpack them first with our instructors and the family of Revelation Wellness and and uh, my team. So this is going to come to you guys, I believe, the week that we are virtually retreating with Platoon 29. So perhaps by next week, I can give you those those practical takeaways and really uh, unpack them according to the word, because that's one thing I can tell you for sure. 
I saturated myself in the word of God. So as I go through my travelogue, just get a picture of me in your mind. Wherever I was, I was filling my time with the word of God. Uh, I took social media off my phone completely. Um, I off every device I had. It was the first time I'd ever done that in since the beginning of the inception of social media. I hate to say that. I mean, I've taken breaks and, you know, moved the, the icon or the app to the furthest part of my page. And I've taken it off for a short amount of times, but not 10 weeks of time. So that gave me so much time that as I was in each week by week, the one thing I did the most and I did consistently and I did extravagantly was read the word of God, read his word, his written word, and then sit and listen for his whispered words. I wanted to get clear on his voice. I wanted to hear his voice again with all the demands of the world shut down and put on mute. All I had was the voice of God. All I wanted was his voice. So week one was interestingly enough a rough week because we had, I just come off of Rev on the Road, Florida, and I was burnt to a crisp, not physically on my skin, but spiritually in my soul. I was done. I was tired. Uh, so the first week home was actually Sophia's last week home and before she went off to college. And so that was kind of numbing, getting also anxiety waiting for her to go. So I would say the first week I was a little numb, but also trying to be real present to Sophia. And we sent her off at the end of week one and again, numb, came home. I felt numb. I felt all the feels and overwhelmed. My husband, I've never seen my sweet husband tear up and have to bite his lip and kind of bang his hand on his thigh to keep himself from losing it. Him and my daughter have a very, very close bond, but it was sad to see the room empty for the first time and then to just settle in and feel our feels. But I I have to tell you, (laughs) it only took us a few days. (laughs) That's God's grace. By about four or five days in, we were, I was praying that what would happen was exactly what happened. We started enjoying one another and kind of enjoying the quiet of the house, even though that might seem strange. It was, it was just the Lord filled it with more of him, kind of the the love for the husband or the wife of your youth. If you know our story, we've been through hell and back. And so these are sweet years for Simon and I. So I started to come out of that sadness and really embrace this is a gift. This is a gift. I do remember the Lord saying to me, Elisa, stop looking at what you're losing and look at what you're gaining. Stop looking at what you're losing. Look at what you're gaining. And as that would sing over me at night when my heart felt sad or worried about Sophia or my son, Jack, now that they're both out in the world, I had to remember what I was gaining. And this is all part of the process. They have to go so they can come back with more. I'm gaining, temporarily losing in order to gain. So that was my first week of just feeling numb. The next two weeks, 
I slept in. I slept and slept. I slept in all the time. I was actually was a little worried. I was so tired. I slept in so much, but my body was letting down. I would say my adrenals probably have been blown for quite a bit. And so this was the first time I just let myself sleep. I didn't set an alarm. I let the sun wake me up. And sometimes the sun would wake me up and I'd roll back to back over and go to sleep. I felt indulgent. I had to battle the lie that I was being lazy and I should have something to do and I should be spending time with the Lord. And I knew that was not the voice of God. So I let myself slacken. I let myself do absolutely nothing. And then when I did wake up, I would immerse myself in God. I was still a little fuzzy, but I devoted myself daily to reading the word more than anything else. Reading the word, listening to podcasts. That's my dog, Stanley. <laughs> listening to teachings, filling my mind with the things of God because now with social media off and all my, you know, all, I was just disconnected from the world, truly that all I wanted to do was connect with him. And that was what I did for those next two weeks. So by week four to six, I started awakening. I started coming online a little more in my brain. Here's what happens, friends. By week four, no social media, no frenetic jumping from screen to screen or app to app or task to task it actually changes your brain and your brain. It almost feels like the myelin. Myelin is this fatty uh, coating around a neuron that keeps that neuron really healthy and strong. Think of myelin as the rubber that goes around a wire so that you don't shock yourself. Well, if you're overwork, chronically stressed, trauma, trauma happens just in living in a troubled state of mind or have illness or disease, that myelin can start to shred away and your neurons can feel very disfractured and not strong. Your, your cognitive thinking can feel weakened, kind of like if the sheath around a wire was shredding, that, that connection becomes compromised. So by week four, I could think. I was having clear thoughts that I could hold and creativity. And man, it's amazing. I have to tell you. And I, I'm not here to condemn anyone who knows your brain is just feeling foggy and noisy. Get vigilant. Take the break. Take the break. The fact that you can't take the break says something. It says something to the idolatry of our heart. It says something to the self-glorification of us, or the raising ourselves up higher than the standard of God. God wants to be with you. And friends, I am convinced that people who can hold a thought, a deep thought, and not be distracted by the noise of the world— they will be the tycoons of the next era. They will be the thought leaders, the world changers. They will write the books and sing the songs and solve the problems. So that started happening for me from week four to six. 
And then on week six, don't worry, it's only 10 weeks, so we're almost there. <laughs> week six, I met some fellow female ministry leaders that I love. I met them at a retreat in Vermont. <sighs> Let me just sum up this that retreat with this statement. It was at this retreat where my eyes were opened wider to the spiritual warfare that exists. I don't have time to go into all the details and what I learned there is going to play itself out in many ways, the days and months and years to come. Let me just say that I learned not just through the word of God, but the word of God confirmed the testimony of a, of a woman there who was there to lead us. I learned that it is possible to be a Christian and to be demonized. I know that just freaked some people out, but listen, I'm not scared about it. I know it. Here's the thing. The enemy likes us to think small and to think that this doesn't exist. But remember, this is his world. He is the prince of this world, the power of the air. And he wants you to think he doesn't exist. And he wants you to think it's too scary. And he wants you to be freaked out and not want to talk about it. But he is roaring and roam, roaming around like a lion looking for people to devour. And we think that just our salvation in Jesus, being saved, being a Christian, we think that that delivers us straight and right away from the enemy's grips. It delivers us from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light, but we have to stay free. And there is work to be done because we are on the battlefield of a war that is called love. And the spiritual warfare is real. So it is possible to be a Christian and le live tormented and even demonized, which can cause all kinds of sickness and disease. It's not the only thing. Sins that we do and sins that we, or sins of omission, right? Sins that we, things that we don't do is called a sin by omission or sins of commission or things that we do that absolutely can open the door to the enemy. Hear me, all this to say, sin in all its forms opens the door to the enemy. It starts with a negative thought or suspicion that God is not good. And from there, it can move into all kinds of realms where he has territory, where he is tormenting our minds, affecting even our ability to think straight, which eventually over time can be a mental health. And yes, even our physical downfall, mental health itself. Can it be that you don't emit as much um, serotonin or dopamine as someone else or your transmitters? Yes, it's a fallen world we live in. And the enemy has a multifaceted approach to how he takes a Christian captive, a Christian captive. So you can look forward to hearing more of that from me in the days to come. And we actually at Rev are working on something for you, for, for the Lord. We know what he's called us to do. And it is coming your way by fall of 2023. And this is going to take territory. This is going to be, this is it. Game on in terms of the people of God shall be free. So I learned that at that retreat. 
And I'll have more to say on that. And again, if it wasn't for the testimony of a woman who was a Christian all her life and did all the right things and attended all the prayer meetings and was a pastor's wife, is a pastor's wife, and if it wasn't her testimony of how the enemy had her captive without even knowing in this very insidious, backhanded way, she wouldn't, without knowing what she needed to know, she wouldn't have gotten free. So we have something coming for you there for sure. So that was week six. Week seven, came home, immersed myself back into reading and all the things and kind of had a quiet week at home. Then at week eight, I went back to Vermont for something that's called the Art of Teaching Conference that's led by my friend, I call him my friend very loosely, John, I know, he doesn't listen to this podcast because he's too busy reading the Word and studying and reading about the spiritual father's uh, prayer movements. He's too busy in the secret place with the Lord anyways to listen to this podcast. Anyways, I call him my friend. He, he's a great great guy. And he led that conference called The Art of Teaching. It's the second year in a row that I have been to The Art of Teaching. It's that good. It's really, really good. There's about 30 uh, pastoral or ministry leaders there, of which I was one of three ladies. Ladies, we got to show up. <laughs> one of three. Was, come on. He is. It is very much a, a ministry open to men and women who feel like they have a message on my heart, on their heart. And he just kind of unpacks, uh, some teaching principles. But what I love about that conference is on the first day before we get into tips, tricks, techniques, things, ideas, uh, you know, commentaries, and just all the practicals of unlocking a message. He starts with, listen, we don't, we're not going to talk about writing messages unless we are living the message. Boom. You could feel the energy shift in the room. It was time to repent. It was time to clean house. If there's anything in us that was violating the holiness and that glory and heaviness, the kabod of God, it was time to come clean. I came clean in my mind of, oh, you know what? I've been distracted. I've been spending time in places that were stealing from this focus and attention to be in, in the word and about our father's word. So it was fantastic. I was reminded at this conference not to be an echo, but to be a voice. Don't just echo. Don't just copy what is out there. Not that I ever did to begin with, but this thought that be a voice. And what happens is a voice is very unique. Everyone has their own voice. So we were challenged to seek the Lord and find out what is your voice. It's somewhere in the anointing that God has given me and given you. You have a voice. So in every preaching or teaching that I do, I know that my message will center around these three things that are my voice. One, embodied teaching. 
I'm fascinated about how do we put this thing in our body? How do Jesus had a body? So what is it, what does it mean to him to have a body and we have a body? Everything about my teaching is trying to unlock this so that we are living epistles, we're living stones, that we that God can put us on like a glove because a theology of the head sets nobody free. <laughs> But when we become the word, when the word gets in us, has its way with us, it cleanses us, it strengthens us, then just like Jesus who came in a body and walked among us and healed sick and raised dead and sat and ate with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes without worrying about the fear of man, that we can become that. It's not just some good fable to read the Bible. It's actually drawing us to become it. So every message I have as a voice is, how do we embody this? How do we get this in us? Like when Jesus says to drink the blood and eat the bread in remembrance of him, remember him, remember ourselves back to him. Our body comes back to him. Our mind comes back to him. Our heart, our will, our emotions and then we become the people. So every teaching I do for my voice, I know is embodiment. And by the way, it can be yours too. Don't think because I say these three things, you're like, oh, those can't be my three things. No, of course they can be. <laughs> if you're a Revelation Wellness instructor listening, this is probably in your wheelhouse too of embodiment, of wanting to not just have a theology, but to become it. Great, teach it. I know that is for me. So that's one of my three voices or one of part of my voice. The other one is empathy. I sure hope with all my teaching, as much as the zeal for the house of the Lord consumes me, it's what drives me, what gets me out of bed. It's what makes me want a vision and wants me seek him headlong, throw myself into him. And to burn for that also means to burn for people, to have compassion so that my message isn't just a noisy gong, right? If you have truth but no love, it's just gongs. It's if you have zeal but no love and compassion, it will burn people. It won't have them turn to be consumed by the love of God. So empathy. And hear me when I say this wasn't always a strong suit for me. This is something that I've learned that when I can be kinder to myself, then I can be kinder to you. So it starts with me. I'm hard on myself because someone was hard on me that I needed to be soft and kind. And that's who Jesus is. So now that he's soft and kind to me, that when, when I have a teaching, I want to find those places where we can soften. People don't feel overwhelmed but that Jesus is that friend who sticks closer to brothers. So there's empathy in a message. And third, freedom and joy. That my voice is one of freedom and of joy. Can I read to you um, a scripture that grabbed me by the throat? It's a, it's a personal one. It felt like the Lord was grabbing me by the throat to say this. It's from Psalm 47, 7, verse 7. It says, you love justice and hate evil. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. <laughs> I do think that's part of my anointing is it's just joy. 
joy of the Lord is my strength. So that, that was what I learned about my voice. What's yours? I would ask you that. What's yours? And finally, on week nine, I went on a retreat where I didn't know why I was going there other than I knew that the Lord was calling me to go on one more retreat. Here's the thing. I went on this retreat and I didn't know anyone. I did have a friend who was going with another friend, but that meant I would have to room with people I did not know. And I also didn't want to crash my friend's party with her friend. So I was kind of a third wheel tag along, but ended up not being that at all. But I, I, w- I knew that I was supposed to go so that the Lord could give me a heart for all of you who have ever come away with us, whether it was to rest and rebuild or instructor training retreat. But here's what I can say for sure. Retreats are great. We're needed. We need them. But Rev retreats are something special. Why? Well, when I was on sabbatical, I read a book called What Happened to You? And this book's premise is says, instead of asking people, what's wrong with you, <laughs> right? When they do things like, what's wrong with you, right? What's wrong with me? We, we think that. And instead of asking that question, the better and more understanding and empathetic question is, what happened to you? Ugh, it's so good. Dr. Bruce Perry is the co-author of the book, along with, drumroll, Oprah Winfrey. And Dr. Bruce Perry made this statement in the book, and suddenly I got a clear picture for what we do in Revelation Wellness, especially at in-person live events and retreats. He says that all healing from past pain and trauma requires three things regulate, relate, and reason in that order. You can't relate to other people if you haven't regulated. To regulate is what we do at Revelation Wellness. When your nervous system, anyone do project stress relief? How great was that, by the way? I'm so proud of everyone who participated in that. I've heard some great things from you guys, but I think that was one of our best challenges we've ever done, helping you understand your nervous system, helping you to understand how to regulate it. Because once you are regulated, then you can relate to other people. You feel safe. Regulation gives us a sense of safety and calls us out, calls us out of the cave and says, Gideon, mighty man of valor, come out, right? We have to be regulated. And a lot of people think, well, I don't have trauma. I'm not a soldier. I'm sorry, what? This thing called life on earth, love, is war. If you have been breathing for a minute, you've already faced the downfall and brokenness of this world. Everyone has some pain Sure, not everyone has a massive story. Not everyone needs a massive story to live a beautiful, wonderful, redeemed life in the Lord. But I know in the time we're living in, there is more hurt, more disassociation, more dysregulation than there's ever been. And a lot of it's due to the pace and the information 
that we receive on a daily basis. It's just too much. And all of this dysregulates us. And if we are dysregulated, we feel anxious, we feel nervous, we feel stressed. We're thinking thoughts that are of dread and doom or anxiety and fearful expectation, then we cannot relate. We can't relate. This is why I'm not a good parent to my child or a spouse to my wife or to my wife, to my husband, when I am dysregulated and thinking like hell instead of heaven. So we have to be able to feel what we feel and then know what we know and be kind to ourselves and get the sleep we need and all the practices that we do at Revelation Wellness, this regulate, if we can regulate the people who in this world have had trouble, then we can take heart and relate to God and one another. And then we can reason. But see, we have a church, a body often, not all, but it seems to be the, the mass movement is let's get people to come to church, relate, and let's give them some, let's give them the gospel, information, reasoning. And those are good. Fantastic. Praise God. And it, it, you can be saved there. I sure was. But if we're not regulated, healing doesn't happen. And so we have a lot of bleeding and hurting people sitting in the pews and the chairs of a church or listening to an online sermon or podcast week after week and wondering, when does this actually feel real? I believe it with my head, but I'm not really living this and feeling this as a reality in my body. So yeah, rev retreats, rev events. You can't cut where you're going to relate and you're going to reason. Absolutely. But first we're going to get regulated. So perhaps you'd like to join us in our next anything. And finally, my final days of my sabbatical were spent with a friend who fans my flame like no one else. Her name is Nina. And she doesn't just talk about loving Jesus. <laughs> she shows you. When I get next to her, sometimes I wonder if I'm really saved. <laughs> if you think my love for Jesus is evident, I look like I'm on a freshman high school team with my love and quest for Jesus, where she has a PhD. Now, this is not about rating ourselves, but it's good for us, you guys, to be in the presence of people who challenge us, who make us think harder and longer and go deeper into the love of God. And it's not a show. It's just truly who they are. Perhaps I'm that for you. Nina was a part of the 24-7 prayer movement back in the early 2000s, and she's a woman who has chosen what's best. And let's just say, she threw gasoline on the fire that burns inside of me. So friends, find your PhD friends who make you think and draw deeper into the heart of God. So next time we talk, I will tell you about the top three things I learned on my sabbatical. But for now, there's a little travel log of my stolen time away with Jesus. And one thing's for sure. One thing. I can't get enough of him. So I 
can't get enough of his word. I, there is no going back. There's only going forward. I am in love with his word and I am in love with the word. And as Matt Redmond sings, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. When it's all about you, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. It's always been about you and for you. And I'm ready for the second phase of my life where I will burn for you, Jesus, and yield to you, Holy Spirit. I'm ready for you to make a move on us, your people. Here we are, God. Make your move. Love you guys. We'll talk again soon. Peace. You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship It's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made It's all about you it's all about you, Jesus. Friends, we hope this episode blessed you. If you loved it as much as we did, be sure to swipe up to the show notes and please share this one with a friend. And let's keep the conversation going. You can leave us an audio message and tell us how this episode sparked something in your heart. Elisa would love to hear what you thought. And as always, we are so thankful that you're here. Thank you donors for making this podcast possible. Without your support, we would not be able to share the good news of Jesus with the Revelation Wellness community literally to the ends of the earth. Be sure to connect with us in all the places and we will see you soon. Peace.